Dirty computer. <laughs> I don't think that was appreciated enough. I thought you were going to say the opposite. Because <laughs> I think that's what you said at the time. What? Okay, now you're just putting things, putting words, clauses, phrases. Putting things. Pudding. Not putting things. Pudding. Hi, pudding. my name is Pudding Things. Please welcome to the stage, Pudding Things. HR Puffin Pudding Things stuff. <laughs> what? HR Puffin stuff? Never mind. No. We're gonna have we're gonna have to move on. We're going to have to move on. What the hell is we're HR to move Puffin off, stuff? That is crazy. Oh my god, what is this? <laughs> Kenyon, this is terrifying. <laughs> you know, children for children. Kenyon, this is horrific. Okay, now. We have to start. <laughs> we, we, oh. Welcome to We Love That. I'm Jerome. And I'm Kenyon. And this week, we are really getting into it. It's Pride. Happy Pride! <laughs> We're talking all, all sorts of, of queer topics, like <laughs> sports, the Friends reunion. <laughs> and Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga makes an appearance. Uh, and will Kink be making an appearance at Pride this year? Well, stay tuned. <laughs> what the hell is HR puffin stuff? <laughs> like, what is this? You can't do this to me. You literally can't do this to me. What is this? I don't. The thing is, I really don't know. It's a ch- it's a children's moment. It's giving you. It's giving you nonsense. It's giving you it's fantasy. It's giving you terror. It's giving you shipwrecks. Can it? <laughs> <It's literally> terrifying. <laughs> If you do not know, because you're a normal person and weren't a child in 1969, like Kenyon, <laughs> then I'm currently looking at a an image for a, t- a children's show called H.R. Puffin Stuff, spelled P-U-F-N-S-T-U-F. Work? Spelling. And it's terrifying. It's the bags. This is Can crazy. someone say bags? The one of these characters first they're like it's giving you puppets but they're life size so like you walked into it's like a it's like a, a, a proto um, Chuck E Cheese moment yeah it's like it's like Barney Sesame Street before they realized that they weren't supposed to shock and horrify the children <laughs> but also this guy is serving kind of heat miser I see it the hair if the heat miser were a frog. And, but and look also at the bags. Had like, look at the had, bags. Well, I was going to say, it kind of is serving like, you know, in like an old like classic Disney movie when like someone gets drunk and then they like turn green and their eyes get all droopy. <laughs> that's yeah. what this character looks like. Yeah, well, and that's H.R. Puff and stuff. <laughs> How do you know about this at all? Literally, I don't know. I think my parents. Okay. I think that's my parents. Work. They were they would be alive then, right? 
Mom, dad. <laughs> Great. Hey. Hey there, you. <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way so we can talk about things that really matter. Like the Friends reunion. I can't <laughs> stop thinking about it. Okay. So I am <laughs> just getting right into it. Uh, I'm a person. I've, I unapologetically like Friends. Mm-hmm. I know this. Um, and you don't. Why? Explain yourself. <laughs> no, you explain yourself. Friends is funny. Mm. <laughs> it is funny. Um, it's, I mean, it, the secret is that I feel, you know, very, the touchstone, the, my like earliest comedy touchstones are very funny because they're not like what I associate me being funny currently with. Mm. Um, like, like one of them is this guy, Brian Regan, who has this like yes. stand up special what? that I love and think is hilarious. You know, Brian Regan, yeah. <laughs> I walked on the moon. <laughs> like, I think that is so funny. So like, that's like an early one for me. And honestly, like, I hate to say it, the Chandler Bing of it all. Wow. Wait, I didn't know you knew about Brian Regan. Because in literally middle school, like, yeah. People were like, oh, have you seen? This is so funny. And I had to laugh. With the Pop Tarts? Literally, yes. With, um, come on, flip switcher, flip them switches. (laughs) Go flip switcher. (laughs) I cannot believe that I'm being forced to relive this. (laughs) Um, I think it's hilarious. I genuinely think it is hilarious. It is one of the first times that I was like, oh, if I want to be funny, I should be like him. Um, I know, it's crazy. Well, and see, Chandler Bing was part to, of that. This gets to the difference between you and I. Is that you... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, this is going to be... I think I'm about to insult my own self. Is that you oh, really God. value humor. I do. Like, very much. And I just and don't you're think you're a bore. <laughs> well, okay. I, I was going to actually take a shot at my own self, but you did it for me. So, um, thanks, I think. <laughs> so, Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> I just, I, for some reason, humor isn't like, isn't as important to me as it is to honestly so many people in my life and all of my friends. (laughs) Yeah. Being funny is actually important. I guess. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's why you don't like friends. Now, let's not be too hasty because (laughs) that thing is not funny. Friends is funny. That it's boring. Absolute yawn. You're wrong. It's funny. Fall asleep. No, Friends is funny. Anyway, um, that's part of why I like it. It was on for 10 seasons and has like great emotional payoff throughout the 10 seasons. Like it really makes you like the when at the, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't watched Friends in this (laughs) finale, when (laughs) Rachel gets off the plane. It's like, oh my God, like the, like the will they, won't they of it all for 10 whole years. Like finally, it's just, you get, it has great emotional payoff. Like the fact that Monica and Chandler like take so long to like get together and then like become this beautiful, like cornerstone relationship is amazing. (laughs) I I mean, I love that you love, first of all, um, (laughs) But I don't think we can say that we love because I don't uh, love. 
I disagree. I'm going to veto your don't love oh, oh. and replace it with a love. Oh, okay, We love great. friends. Mm. Um, but so the Friends reunion dropped last week. <laughs> Flopped last week? Uh, don't say that. On our dear, dear friend, sponsor of our podcast, HBO Max. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and I mean, I tell you, I talked to you about this at the time because I couldn't believe that it was happening. First of all, typically a reunion is like like another episode, which they simply did not do. <laughs> there is some point when Courtney Cox is like she's like part of why I'm crying is because we're never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> she she's like you know, this is the last time that people are, it's going to be the six of us together and people are going to be able to ask us about friends. Like, we're not doing this in another 15 years. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, mm, why don't you wait and see how the money is? <laughs> Look, that's the truth. The people will go where the money flows. Exactly. And honestly, I can't blame them for that. They probably made like half a million dollars doing that little thing. Like, but how, like how? I don't even understand it. I streamed it. <laughs> wow. Um, so part of what was cuckoo bananas about the Friends reunion was that, and I this is what I had told you at the time because I just couldn't believe that it was happening. They, like, brought on celebrities to, like, do little talking heads about Friends. Right, right. Including Reese Witherspoon, who's on Friends. Including uh, Academy Award winner. Who is... Reese Witherspoon... Okay, stop the presses. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon has... A Best Actress Oscar for Work. Walk the Line. Like, who knew? Reese did. I'm sure she did. She, she reesed it. Um, and it's like, you know, like a couple of years after, like, Legally Blonde. I just, like, didn't, I didn't, I was not aware of that switch happening so early in her mm -hmm. career of, like, taking on, like, the big prestigious roles. Um, so work, Reese. Queen. <laughs> um, so Reese Witherspoon is in it. They have... I was surprised that, like, Brad Pitt wasn't in it. Like, that seemed like it would be a... But honestly, no, that's weird because of Jen. That's why. Ooh. Anyway. Um, like, then they have, like, TV people. They had Mindy Kaling. They had Kit Harington, who I guess, you know, was on a television show. So <laughs> should talk about it. Um... Then they just had like other famous people, which like and wait 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 one of them when was people come on. What do they say? Like they're coming on just to be like I I too loved this. Yeah, like this is my favorite. This is when I watch Friends, or like this is my favorite Friends episode, or whatever. Okay. Um. So like David Beckham is there, which is like yeah, he's a celebrity. Um. <laughs> BTS was included, which is like. Okay. <laughs> like, I, like, why is, like, why are all seven members of BTS being interviewed about friends for the Friends reunion? They're like, having whose a media moment. They're having a full media moment. And I say, they are. Good on you. Work. Um, I mentioned this briefly. I'm really all over the place today. I mentioned this briefly last week. The new BTS song, Butter, I'm very into. I think I'm less into it than you're into it. You know what I'm saying. But it's still fun. It's fun. It is still very fun. What about the little uh, Usher reference? Oh, they reference an Usher song. Yeah. And I mean, okay, they are, they are singing. They're singing. 
Like, I'm here for it. Like, it's good. Did they sing on the Friends reunion? No, they didn't. But okay. they talked about why they like to watch Friends together. <laughs> Work. But then the one that truly gagged me. You know, we've got Academy Award winners. We've got uh, international pop icon sensations. We've got... Uh, 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 comedians, world class athletes. We've got comedians. Um, they all there was a talking head from Malala Yousafzai, <laughs> Nobel Prize winner Malala Yousafzai, and her friend. And her friend is like, I. She's like, <laughs> she's like, you're such a Monica. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, Monica does not have a Nobel Prize. <laughs> I cannot believe that Malala is a Monica. <laughs> Malala is a Monica. I just and and she and Malala came on and said, what how did she's like, yeah, I love it. I love friends. <laughs> wow. It's crazy. It's like, what is this? But I mean, look, if you had the opportunity, if you know, you're putting out anything and you need an endorsement or you're reviving something and you need an endorsement <laughs> and somehow you got Malala on it, you wouldn't say no. I, you're right. But, <laughs> but <laughs> well, it makes me think like who, well, who reached out to whom? <laughs> Was, were the people at Friends like, hey, uh, does Malala watch Friends? <laughs> I am falling apart. Like, how does that, like, Hollywood is just crazy. And I also wouldn't have thought that, like, I don't know. I didn't anticipate Malala to be connected to, like, the HBO Max production staff. <laughs> Truly, who knows? Wow. Could be, who knows? But, I mean, that's that's what's happening in the news these days. Friends. Kind of. The simulation glitching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no. What now? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else is happening? Well, okay. Lady Gaga. Okay. This should just be a Lady Gaga podcast. I think I mean it is. Thank you. <laughs> um last week. A couple weeks ago was the 10th anniversary of Born This Way. Now, do you remember the album? Now, do you remember where you were? I don't remember where I was, but I absolutely remember how I felt. <laughs> now I'm crying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I don't remember where I was. For the album, I remember that summer. It was the summer after eighth grade. Wow. <laughs> um, Youth. And that summer, I had, like, been gifted an iPod Nano. Like, like someone else had one, and then they, like, got a, another one, and so that I got to, like, have their little Nano. And the only music I had was Born This Way. <laughs> so I would just listen to Born This Way over and over and over again on my little Nano. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I think I still have that Nano at home, and I am sure that the only music on it still is <laughs> Born This Way. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I do remember when the video came out, like, in February for the song Born This Way, um, that my friends wow. and I skipped lunch to go and watch the video, and then we got in trouble for skipping lunch. Like, we kind of got in a lot of trouble. And we were like, 
We were just watching a music video. <laughs> can't believe this homophobia. It was so funny. Um, <laughs> First of all, that's just like, that's her second album. Kind of. I mean, okay, fame, who knows what to call it? Fame, fame monster is like, you know, one thing together. Right. But like, that's an amazing, like, an amazing yeah. second, like, and I can also do. That's why she's an icon. Is <laughs> because, it, and it's funny, we were talking with Tanner about like, you know, it's like bad romance and then like uh, other stuff. And then, uh, you know, Tony Bennett and, <laughs> and the stars weren't. But like to go from the first, I mean, the first slate of songs from the fame was Gosh. like Just Dance, Poker Phase. Like it was... She already was doing that, Love yeah. Game, Paparazzi. Yeah. Yes. And then it was Bad Romance and Alejandro and Telephone. I don't like Alejandro, but I included it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, okay, well, is she going to be like kind of a one-hit wonder or like a, you know, she was good on this album and then can't keep it up. And then the album that, <sighs> the next album she comes back with, within like two years, Born This Way, uh, Judas... You and I. Edge of Glory. Like, Edge Shiza. of Glory. On top of literally every song on that album, which I love. <laughs> like, I, I love the queen. <laughs> I'm going to be the queen. You do love the that, queen. don't you? Eh, 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 um, eh, eh, let's not forget Government Hooker. Government Hooker. Bloody Mary was my favorite for a really long time. <laughs> okay, I'm realizing that for people who have listened to this podcast before, that we have just listed Lady Gaga songs. <laughs> I think this is like our fourth time doing that. Being like, these are great. This is amazing. Also this one. This one and just, too. And saying like, going with the nichest of songs and, you know, niche Lady Gaga songs, the jokes write themselves. Like the these songs on this album are called Bad Kids, uh, uh, Highway Unicorn, Road to Love, uh, Fashion of His Love, literally The Queen. <laughs> like, they are ridiculous. Like, Black Jesus Amen Fashion is a yes. song title that 10 years ago I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it really, I mean, it was really good to me back then. Oh, yeah. I mean, it genuinely was like, wow, like, I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Like, that, like, really did something. <laughs> It would. It came out at that right time where I was. I my queer little self really needed it. Yeah, she really needed it. Yeah, <laughs> not you saying. Yeah, yeah, nah. you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> oh my goodness, I agree. I and totally for it agree. to be also just like like it was everyone. It was everywhere. Yeah, it wasn't like everyone was listening to Born This Just song. in like, my little song. pocket of the world. Yeah. Ugh, and so. Here on the 10th anniversary in this month that is extremely prideful, I will say. Happy Pride, first of all. Let's just say that. Gay rights, okay, yes. <laughs> um, so Lady Gaga is releasing a 10th anniversary special edition mm. of Born This Way, mm. um, which is going to... Wait, I'm sorry. I'm remembering other tracks from Born This Way. Like, Heavy Metal Lover is amazing. Whoa. Uh, I haven't listened Electric to Chapel so is amazing. Long. Hair is amazing. Americano is amazing. Like, every song on this album is amazing. That is, like, this is one of my favorite albums. It's like, so it's up good. there. Like, top five, top three. Wow. Yeah. 
it's like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So as part of the 10th anniversary, (laughs) all right. Thank you. As part of the 10th anniversary, uh, Lady Gaga is re-releasing the album with six reimaginations of the original tracks done by artists that she has described as queer icons and like, like people who, you know, like <laughs> the people of the LGBTQ champion queer rights. Yeah. Community. So like queer people and also like not queer people, but we stand. Right. She's, so she says, so the first <laughs> one is Judas as done by big Frida, which is like, oh like I didn't know that I needed that, but essential. <laughs> Essential. Thank God we have it. <laughs> it feels like a real a return, but it's something that we've never ever had before. Yeah. It, yeah. But it feels like, first of all, everyone go listen to this, please. Because yeah. you were looking for a song for the summertime because it's it's here. The summer's here. And this is it. it. This is it for you. Just um, bopping by the pool. Like uh, that's what I am doing listening to this song. It's it's so good. The way, the way that it gets transformed into the like bounce horns, yeah, I love it. I love, I love that she's collaborating with Big Frida. Like, what? Not even collaborating. Like, fully. Here's my song. Here, you make my song, and I, you make a song, you redo my song, and I will promote it. Like, that's sick. I love it. Um, that's dope. Like, I love. I. I think that's great. I think even on on the 10th anniversary, you know, they like unveiled this mural in West Hollywood and gave her a key to the city, whatever. At she gave a speech there and posted on her Twitter and Instagram um that born this way like the phrase is something that she was inspired by this activist that I'd never heard of, Carl Bean, who is this gay black queer black activist um who talked about being born this way like in the 70s. Um, and uh, so I just think that it is very like, yeah, this is like what pride should be about. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, and I just think that it is very dope that this is how Lady Gaga is celebrating pride this year. I think that's really like, that's what I want to see. I wish I had known that Carl Bean story earlier, honestly. Yeah. Um, but that mean, that doesn't take away from the fact that it's the truth. Right. Black queer people, everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love that Big Frida is the first person. Um, I'm really curious about who the other people are going to be. I want some speculation. You give a name, I'll give a name. Okay. I think, I think Rina Sawayama. Wow. Who I have not really gotten into i've heard that her album is amazing i haven't like i've listened to a couple of tracks and like love them but i haven't really gotten into it um she is queer and there was like some tittering on twitter about (laughs) (laughs) there were like rumors that there was going to be a chromatica remix album and that like blood pop was like working on a chromatica remix album with like all these features and so like Blood Pop at some point, who is this producer that yeah. works with Lady Gaga, um, tweeted like, who would you want to see on a Chromatica remix album? And someone said Rena, and Blood Pop was like, like replied to it or something. Like, ooh. There, so there were people were like, ooh, like maybe that's 
maybe like this is something that's happening. And uh, I mean, what if the remix album that was being tittered about? Right, right, right. Was not of Chromatica, but was of Born This Way. So I think Rena is, I think that would be like very of the moment, very like lifting up a like lesser known queer artist of color. Like that's sick. Like that's sick. Wow. Oh, I mean, I don't think this is going to happen, but I would die if it did. I, I, I'm i hoping for Kate Renata. Oh, that would be fierce. Like, black queer producer, yeah. like, is giving you dance musics. Like, that's his absolute bread and butter. Um, yeah. And I think it would just... And he's, like, kind of having a moment. He released his second album, I guess, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it got... It won the Grammy. He's having a moment. So I, I don't think it's... Out of the question, I don't think it's going to happen, really. Um, I agree. I would. I don't know if it's going to happen for this, but I want to see it happen in the future. I think it would like, be Kate so Like, has to produce for Lady Good. Mark. I think it could, like, take us to places we've never seen before. <laughs> you heard it here <laughs> first, folks. <laughs> the final frontier, a Lady Gaga, Kate Renata collaboration. <laughs> um, so the full album comes out on the 18th. Now that this is what I'm mad about is that the 18th is too long from now. The full album needs to be out today. <laughs> right. I needed it for this month. It is for it is for this month for me. <laughs> yeah. And so over halfway through the month is not enough. <laughs> like I need it now. Yeah. It's my money and I need it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope that we at least get like the other uh, we she should continue to drop singles. But the first one was like really like I'm dropping this thing right now. <laughs> I mean, that's what people are doing these days. It's like, who? Promotion. Once you have a... You're right. If you have a fan base, just just give them the music. Just give them the music. Wow. This is... I mean, we're really here. This is a long moment for the world today. Um, (laughs) But there's a lot that needs to be talked about. Yeah. And so far, we've had some extremely important things, like Lady Gaga and H.R. Puff and stuff. Some not so important. <laughs> Don't forget things. Malala Yousafzai, <laughs> right? And Malala. Some less important things like friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? But now we've really got to we've got to tackle. Well, I don't even know what category to lump this all in together with. But I want to start with Simone. I'll give you the category. Category is misogynoir. Thank you. Okay. Let's start with Simone. I mean, you've probably seen it in the news. Well, I don't know if you've seen it in the news. I hadn't until you brought it up. Basically, you know, sports, they're, they've returned. The world is opening <laughs> back up and things are happening and this is very good. There's um, supposed to be an Olympics this summer? Right. Which is... I've uh, actually heard that that's not the tea. <laughs> like, well. Japan is not, like... Anyway, <laughs> but recently, Simone Biles basically broke gymnastics yet again. Correct. Already the most decorated gymnast ever. I saw some tweet that was like, she has, I forget like if it was placed or, I, you know, I don't know a lot about gymnastics, but she hasn't, the last time that she didn't make it to like the the champion team or, you know, of the the winners at the end or whatever, like the highest marks at the end. The last time she didn't make it there, it was like in 2013 or something. It's been like <laughs> seven <What>? or eight <laughs> years. <laughs> Wait, how, she, how old was she then? I don't know. <laughs> like what? It's like, 
What's going on? She's 24. <gasps> wow. Okay. Well, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> and where are your Olympic medals? Yeah. Well, look, they're trying to withhold her flowers. Girl, as they always are. She performed what is called a Yurchenko double pike. <laughs> Which, first of all, why is it named after someone else? I don't. I'm reading this little New York Times article. They're like, oh yeah, it's named after this other person who did who couldn't do the move. <laughs> I'm like, this is a Biles double pike. Wow. I mean, there it is. <laughs> so reading the reading in this article what exactly she did feels like reading a different language. I don't know what these words mean. <laughs> Um, to execute it, a gymnast must first launch herself into a round-off back handspring onto the vaulting table and then propel herself high enough to give herself time to flip twice in a pike position, body folded, legs straight, before landing on her feet. To which I say, well, huh? have you ever, like, seen another, seen someone else do something or heard them do something or, and you're like, and we're both human beings? Like, we're the same thing? Hmm. <laughs> Because none of any of the things that I just described are things that I would ever be able to do with my body. I, it's one of those things where it's like, you're not doing what I'm doing. <laughs> we are not the same. <laughs> Truly. I mean, it's amazing. You've got to watch it and you've got to also watch it in slow motion because it, it happened so fast that I, the first time I watched it, I was like, what did, what am I saying? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> you were here and now you're over there. Yes. And how? Um, <laughs> But there's the controversy, the controversy, controversy. of it all um, is basically like, you know, judges in gymnastics, judges score stuff based on difficulty. It well, it takes into account the difficulty of the move and also how well you perform the, the move. Yeah. And so she comes in, she does this move that no one else is doing because she's an <laughs> icon. It's it's. People literally, people won't even practice it because it's like, why I, I can't? Because you can't. <laughs> um, and so you would think that you know that would have a high difficulty, you know, kind of factored into the scoring. Um, right. But no, the judges gave it a very low starting score, which basically people are saying is intending to discourage people from even attempting the move. And, and well, here's the thing. I get that. It's dangerous. The whole thing is dangerous. Right. And they don't want to like, you know, oh, if you like do this really dangerous thing, then like we'll give you a really high score. But then it's like, you know, you have people hurting themselves over whatever. But I think that that is more about like, you know, like that to me says, well, you need to look at the culture of this sport. Like if people are, or the culture of sport in general, like if people are putting themselves into literally harm's way mm. because they think that it, they're going to be rewarded in some way. Like, I don't know. That just is, I don't know why Simone Biles, who is able to do it <laughs> in a safe way because Flawlessly. she is at that level, <laughs> because she literally is at a level that no, where no one else is. Like, that doesn't mean, oh, well, we have to knock her for doing it so that no one, so other people don't try to do it. Like, that's just... That does not feel like addressing the issue at all. At all. I mean, it is a very, it is a league apart thing. Yeah. And somewhere, 
she commented like, you know, they they basically don't want to score it properly because then the the scoring field will be too far apart. I'll just be it'll be it'll be me out here and then like wait a second and then all the other scores very far right. away. Um and it's like, well, why are we penalizing people for being good? Right. Because that's what you've asked them to do. And she's actually very good. And why is it almost certain that this is going to be banned in the Olympics when isn't that like, isn't the Olympics about like, like doing stuff that nobody else can do? Or just, we're just doing your thing really well. It's not even just that no one else can do it. It's that she can do it. Exactly. She can do it. And so like, we need to make space for that. Like you have to make space for that in the sport because she can do it. (laughs) Literally. Like, imagine if, like, <laughs> you know, in basketball, the first person who, like, made a, a three-pointer, they were like, you can make it from that far away? Okay, well, they can't do that anymore. Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, it literally, in basketball, that did happen with um, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and dunking. They were like, oh, right. you're just so tall, and um, no. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Yeah, literally like, all right, in this sport, you got to be really tall. That like makes you good. And then someone, and then, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> comes over and they're like, uh, uh, not that tall. <laughs> There's a lot of precedents, precedent for all of this, like we were saying. Um, right. When you br- first brought this up, I was like, isn't this like that ice skater who did the backflip? And like, isn't there, aren't allowed to do one-legged backflips in the Olympics? Not even realizing that that ice skater... Surya Bonnelly is also a black woman. I didn't even remember that as part of the story. I mean, here we are yet again. Right. It's it's very like... (laughs) I mean, they wouldn't... (laughs) They just wouldn't be doing this if it was little white girls who were doing this shit. Literally. Um... So that's deeply infuriating. It is, and it really, it turns me off from sport in general, where, and I I don't know, with all that's going on as we approach the Olympics, as people talk about transgender people competing, right, and their existence and their allowance to do what they can do with their bodies. Right. It just makes, like, looking at, like, in the face of excellence, you're going to do this. Well, I just, you know what? I won't watch it. Like, I won't watch any of it then. If, like, if this is really what you're really about, then <laughs> why am I yeah. tuning in? Yeah. And it it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently around trans people in sport is that it has to do with the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar thing, which is, like, sometimes we're, like, ooh, the way you were born, like, the the predilections that you have or the way that your body is or whatever, like, that's really great. Oh, like, you're really tall. Like, you're going to be great at basketball. Like, that's awesome. But then when it's trans people, when it's, you know, when it's women who do not look like the way that right. women, white women look, whether they are cis or trans, um, it's like, oh, no, well, now this is bad because you, you're not supposed to be like this. I was watching <laughs> my friend sent me this Twitter account of this boy who is like, you know, creating a promotional Twitter for himself 
as a football player, like he's like trying to build his football career, or whatever. He's like six foot five, 250 pounds, going into the eighth grade. Whoa. And the idea, first of all, like watching the video of him like playing with other eighth graders is like, oh, this is ridiculous because you're the size of an NFL player. <laughs> but, you know, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't be able to, but like what part of that makes more sense than like, oh, like trans, like 99% of trans people, trans athletes are, do not have that much physical difference between them and the people that they're competing against. But because this is like a cis man, it's totally fine. Like, because it's a cis man who happens to be really tall and happens to like have a lot of muscle mass, it's totally fine. I, it just like, and again, that isn't me saying, oh, like this kid shouldn't be able to play, mm -hmm. but it's like the way that we set up the delineations of like who plays against whom is so like it's not working. <laughs> like <laughs> it's really not. And I feel like people who say that the like letting trans people play in sport that is affirmational to their gender is like oh like it's not a good system because it allows all this blah blah blah. It's like the system that we have does not make sense. <laughs> it, do it literally doesn't work. If if you're doing the things that you say you're doing, if you're right. you know trying to get people to compete and see who's the quote unquote best, it's also like what. I don't know. I I have trouble with the entire thing of like just pitting bodies against each other and being yeah. like this body, this body is yeah. the good body because right. it can do these things that we said are hard or beautiful or just because we decided and we made our little scoring chart and actually we can change those scores if we don't want Simone Biles to, you know, to yeah. be excellent by our standards. So it's just kind of all farcical where it's like you just made you just doing what you'd like to do and you it's all made up. It's all made up. And it's like, yeah, if we want to see like <laughs> I think about this with the NBA and the WNBA that like if you want to see the best basketball players playing against each other, well, the top players in the WNBA are better than 80% of the people in the NBA. <laughs> like it just it like Put them all put them all together. Like put all the best players together. Like why do we have it separated by like literally the it is separated by these are the people who are good at basketball and have a penis and these are the people who are good at it's like what the hell? Like why is that the delineation? That is not the thing that makes the most sense to classify this by. <laughs> another another example of the way the world actually makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. It it just is not. And to anyone who is thinking like, well, aren't AMAB people like physically bigger, stronger, more muscle mass than AFAB people? Like it it just is not that simple. <laughs> like it's just not it's just not that simple. <laughs> and we can have a system that like allows for more nuance than just oh yeah, this half of the population is kind of similar, so they'll all go together. <laughs> and then this half of the population is kind of similar, so they'll all go together too. Not to mention that that leaves out intersex people, that leaves out non-binary people, like, you know. I mean, yeah, we talk a, a hilarious game on this show about binaries. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that it's pretty clear when it comes to gender, and I think that, you know, it, that's all hilarious and made up. And I think there's a lot of... <laughs> 
in in the circles that you and I run in, like absolutely, people are like, yeah, gender, haha, lol. But like, right. sex is the one. That's all. Like that is not <laughs> that is yeah. not as clear cut as we have made it to be in this world. Yeah, surprise the uh, conception of of gender that you learned in your like eighth grade biology class is actually not <laughs> the <laughs> most nuanced and developed and correct understanding of like, ooh, there are two chromosomes, one of them's big and one of them's small. <laughs> ooh, we're gonna. That's a whole topic we'll have to spend spend on another day. Yeah, spend time on on another day. Um. In the meantime, well, there's another black woman who is under attack. Uh, this is Naomi Osaka, who is up and coming as one of the best tennis players in the world. <laughs> um, ranked number and, two right now. Yeah. So, And she said that she did not want to be doing interviews because that, it was not good for her health like it was not a thing that like was good for her to do um then she gets a fine for skipping a news conference and so she said well i guess i just i won't be playing <laughs> goodbye <laughs> which is you know, absolutely more power to her to do whatever she needs to do Correct. to take care of herself at the same Correct. time that like for the fact that that's the, the options that she had was like, right, don't play or, you know, or do yourself. whatever we tell you to, right? Yeah, like be subjected to whatever treatment we create at this these news conferences. Like French Open really should be ashamed. Um, it's wild that how, we're really railing against sports today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know the last time I picked up a ball of any sort. <laughs> um, but I mean, what do you think? Like other sports players are also coming to her defense, basically, and being like, "Yeah, press conferences can sometimes really suck." And like, do you do you? Like, you don't have to do this thing that just yeah. makes other people money when it actually is detrimental yeah. to your health. And there are, it's it's strange. There have been kind of a there's been kind of a mix of response that there are some people who are like yeah, like, it's hard, but we do it. And, you know, it it is sad that this has, like, snowballed into the situation that it is because, you know, it's... I, I think that some people are, are put off or confused by the fact that there wasn't, like, a specific inciting incident, right? <laughs> like, it wasn't, like, one specific horrific question or one specific day that just, like, went really poorly... Um, and so there are some people who are reacting as like, you know, uh, what gives, what gives you the right or like, what is making you do this now? Or is this an overreaction? Has she like made a big deal out of something that like we all put up with every day? But I think part of what's important about her doing it is that like, you know, what if we live in a world where, where we didn't have to put up with stuff every day? And, like, we can make that happen. Right. I don't know when it be... <laughs> or we can, like, try to get there. I don't know when it became... Absolutely, she gets paid for this. But it's also, like... It is a it is a privilege to watch people at the top of their game be really good. Yeah. So I don't, like... What do you... The whole, like, you don't have a right... 
to like, you yeah. know, take care of yourself <laughs> so that right. you can continue to do what you like. Wh- what do you mean? Like you, she doesn't have to do any of this for us. Right. It honestly is reminding me of the Britney doc. Whoa. It's reminding me of these, you know, paparazzi who were like chasing after this woman. And then when they get asked about it, it's like, oh, well, she doesn't have to be famous. It's like, the, like, no, <laughs> like you, you do play a role in this. The, I, like she can demand that the press conferences go in a different way or that it is done in a way that is less stressful to her experience of it. Right. Because at the end of the day, like, she wants to play tennis. We want to see her play tennis. So, like, let's just put that all together in a way that everyone is able to, like, enjoy it. We'll see. As opposed to, like, oh, well, you have to put up with X, Y, and Z because... Of whatever. And I mean, I wish it was just about us enjoying it when it's always about money. It's always about you money. You know, it's like people people got to make their money, so they need press conferences, basically. Yeah. And if you don't show up, you get fined because money. Because money. and Because <laughs> you're costing somebody money, so you better pay up. And it's just, it's... It's... It's just another example of how we put money over people's health all the time, everywhere in this country. Yeah. You know, and there are some really obvious examples. And I'd really, when we started talking about this, I wasn't thinking of this in this way precisely, but this is just another one. Here's a person who's saying that they're struggling with depression and this is what they need to do to take care. Like, they right. was like, I've just got to take care of myself. That's what she's saying. And we're saying, not we, but the French Open is saying, no, 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 pay up. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not good enough. That's not an excuse. Like, we don't, we don't buy that. Ooh. Disappointing. Do better. <laughs> well, that was the moment. That was the moment. <laughs> Kenyon, it is the beginning of Pride Month. Yeah. <laughs> Which we love, and we live. Um, and so here's a little Pride Month topic for you mm. that has been going around on the internet in the recent days. It's about kink at Pride. Yes. Uh, so this feels like a a conversation that comes up every year, every couple of years, every couple of months, every couple of hours on Twitter. <laughs> um, about... You know, what type of content and uh, participation should be happening at Pride? Uh, Does going to Pride mean that you're consenting to look at explicitly sexual uh, activity? Uh, Isn't Pride supposed to be for families? Isn't being gay about, like, you know, there are gay people everywhere and there are gay people in the family and this is going to be a family-friendly event, blah, blah, blah. Um, what should people be allowed to do at Pride? Like, what what do we want Pride to look like? Um, and in particular, the way that it seems that this conversation has resurfaced in the past week or so is around some people, again, on Twitter. <laughs> it seems It doesn't seem like this is actually, like, spurred out of any other inciting incident other than, well, not quite. So, I... New York Pride announced that they would not be having police at Pride this year. Mm-hmm. 
And so maybe it kind of spurred out of that. Um, but, you know, people on Twitter saying, okay, pride is supposed to be for families and, you know, kink, kink wear, fetish wear is not family friendly. And so you should not do it at pride. <laughs> the idea of pride is some like bring your kid to the parade day. <laughs> uh, like, I it just, wow, how far we have fallen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's weird. It's like, you know, I do understand the like taking queerness, taking the LGBT community, LGBTQ community out of like the boogeyman and like, you know, we can't have gay teachers because they'll, you know, equating queerness with pedophilia or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm glad that we've gotten away from that. Like, that's, I think that's important. I think it's important to get away from that. Well. Uh, For some. (laughs) But at the same time, like, you know, the push for, like, marriage equality and the push for, like, you know, equal rights for, for gay people, for queer people who look like straight people who function as as straight people function and like fit very neatly into those boxes like is not doing the liberation work for everybody right right i mean as far as i'm concerned pride month for me is a time to foreground trans and non-binary people yeah specifically trans and non-binary people of color right (laughs) specifically black trans women yeah 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 like that is first of all that's that those are the origins of pride mhm and we have we have really strayed so far from them that it, that it i don't know i don't know how recognizable pride is like if i don't know <laughs> like if somebody who was at stonewall like was here now and was watching yeah the corporatized i don't i just like that's not it like <laughs> that's not they're not the same thing they're not doing the same work and my hesitation right. of before was like i feel like this discussion around bdsm and kink and fetish at pride is because i don't think we've completed the conversation about kind of disentangling queer people at large from the like Oh, sexual deviance, like right. thing, like this. This is a vestige of that. We're, Absolutely. That the right. The whole point of pride in the well, the whole point of Stonewall in the first place, right, was that people were gathering to dress in ways that felt fun and affirming and good to them to interact with each other and like be in community with each other and make out and dance and do whatever the hell they wanted. And the police would not allow them to do that. Like, that was the entire point was people coming and saying, you cannot do that here. You can, Like, we don't want to see it. We don't like that you do it. We, we are making it our business, and we're saying that you're not allowed to do this. And so the idea that now, you know, 52 years later, we've decided, <laughs> or there, there are people who are like, oh, yeah, like, you all aren't allowed to do this here because it's indecent, is like... Wait, this, that literally was, <laughs> that's literally what these Stonewall riots were rioting against. <laughs> right. And, I mean, I, I just can't be surprised that this comes 
from within the community because it's always been that way. Like there are always people who have been closer to accepted by the mainstream, more able to assimilate, have always in the history of queer movements in this country have always at some point tried to distance themselves from the people who are more marginalized, who are seen as more, more different than the mainstream. Yeah. And this is just another example of that. And it's kind of, I wish we were past it, but we're not. Yeah. Um, We're not, we're not. And, you know, after, I mean, we are now a year past uh, the George Floyd protests of last year. Um, And that pride last year looked extremely different from how pride had looked before in that, you know, people were coming out to these Black Lives Matter protests and like, you know, the first pride was a riot and we need to remember the roots of pride and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that that is all good stuff to say and all good stuff to think. Um, it sucks that it seems that it's completely evaporated in 12 months. <laughs> like, the idea that... First of all, the, the implication that, like, a child is going to see someone in, like, I don't know, a puppyhood or whatever and, like, going to be scarred for life because of that is, like, okay, grow up. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, that's just not how that, that's not what's going to happen. That's not how that works. A child doesn't even know that that's bad until you tell them that it is. So, work. That's really what it is for me. It's like, sorry, continue. That, then, like, we can all, like, we can have space for multiple things. Like, we can have pride events that are specifically geared toward children. We can have pride events that are specifically, like, geared toward, like, sexual scenes and are sex sex positive in a way that like <laughs> our sex and negative culture like does not want to encourage like and we can have all all in between like it's it's okay like right. people can show off their bodies and people cannot show off their bodies and people can look or decide not to look or whatever and like that's okay like <laughs> it is okay <laughs> that is to me that's what pride is about is that it's like Like, I have always felt like, and there is some privilege in this, but I have felt like I can wear whatever I want to pride and, like, feel good. Mm -hmm. And I know that not everyone feels that way, in part because of, like, body standards and in part because of just how I see myself and function in the world. Mm. Um, But, like, if I wanted to go to pride in, like, something that, like, did not attract a lot of attention, like... That would be like, this is how I am at Pride. Like, I'm not like looking around at like, well, what is it? And why are you wearing that? And that person shouldn't be wearing that. And, you know, whatever. Like, it is for you to be proud of yourself however you want to exhibit that. (laughs) (laughs) And there it is. (laughs) Not to mention, like, there's a, (laughs) I mean, some of these Twitter white gays are like, they really outdo themselves. Um, but saying that like people wearing fetish wear at pride makes it inaccessible, which I'm putting deep quotes on oh. to like, I don't know, to people who don't want to see anyone wearing leather in the summer. I don't know. Um, <laughs> when like pride is actually inaccessible to people who 
need to use wheelchairs or walkers or any other sort of, like people who cannot just get around and go to a parade and run around the city and do whatever they want. Like, if you want to talk about accessibility, like, who are you advocating for here? That so deeply misses the mark of the entire, yeah. of like, just the entire project that's going on. It's like, have you been to Pride before? Yeah. Like, in access- like we're really using that language? Yeah. As well as like, I mean, now that I, even just talking through it right now, like, <laughs> I'm just realizing this obviously has nothing to do with children. Like, this is clearly just people who are like, I don't want to see you at this event wearing that thing that I don't want to see. Ooh. Like, it has nothing to do, like, the idea of framing it around like, oh, well, I'm just trying to protect the children. That's one of the- Again, is literally, like, that is the same argument. <laughs> <laughs> it, the way That is the same children- argument that, like... Anita Bryant was using in the 70s to say that gay people should not teach in school. Like, that's the same, you're saying the same thing. Jerome, think about the children, please. Ugh. Would you please I think want the, about children the children to see. Children must listen. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, the way that we <laughs> use children to justify violence. Right. Everywhere. State violence, violence in homes. Like, just, it's it's wild to me how it's like oh for the chi- like if you say something's for the children you can do <laughs> literally whatever, whatever you, you, you want it. and the government will pay you to do it but when a <laughs> child comes forward and says this is who I am they'll get thrown out they'll get beat up like that yeah for the children go home go home Roger go home <laughs> go home Roger oh I'm angry. Yeah. Pride canceled. <laughs> wrath. Wow. Pride, sloth, wrath, lust. <laughs> Gluttony. <laughs> Envy. Dag yourself. Oh, my goodness. Some One part of this, some people are saying like, oh, well, being part of the LGBTQ community is not an inherently sexual thing. Mm-hmm. Which, and so that's, you know, their pushback on like, oh, well, Pride shouldn't be like a sex event, a kink event, because like being queer is like not, not about being sexual. Like, I understand there being parts of queer community that are not about being sexual, obviously. Um, I guess this is just more like... I, that to me just feels like it is resting on this sex negative. Like if we ever talk about sex, then that's inappropriate and no one can hear it. And that's going to make people think that we're X, Y, and Z, you know, like it's okay to, it's the type of thing that I think is so silly in America. That's like, it's like, yeah, a lot of people have sex and think (laughs) about it every day. Like we don't have to be ashamed to say it's, you know, like people do drugs they do drugs because they're prescribed them by doctors and they do drugs because they feel good. And they, you know, like yeah. we don't have to like, <laughs> like alcohol is a drug. We don't have to play pretend and hide these secret, like, oh yeah, like I am a sexual person and like I th- think about sex and have sex sometimes, but I can't say it because of like that's just not doing anything for anybody. Well, in fact, it's doing negative things for everybody. <laughs> yeah. So like do I do I think that every pride should be like you know a fulsome street fair and there should be people fisting each other in the street? No. Not everyone. 
<laughs> but like it doesn't have to we don't have to hide you know that's the whole, which again is the whole point of pride like we don't have to hide in the closet we don't have to hide in the bedroom like straight people certainly don't <laughs> literally out here all the time i'm curious like where when that it get personal yeah um i don't know like we both grew up in america we were, i was born and raised here true um big if true <laughs> <laughs> in america i was born and raised here That's thank hilarious. you for getting that <laughs> Um, and thank you, Ebony Jenkins. Anyway, continuing. Um, yeah, so like this culture that we're talking about, like we are, we come out of this, or we were, we were raised partly in this, right? This culture of sexual repression, of sex negativity. Like right. how, how, how do you continue to, and how have you in the past, like worked to form your own understanding of what we're talking about today? Because what I hear in in the don't bring fetish and kink to pride is basically people who just need to continue to do their own personal work to like right. come to grips that people have sex and it looks like a bunch of different things. Right. And that that's okay. <laughs> right. And actually, it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that... I don't know. Um, I'm really putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that I would have benefited from, like, I mean, my, the sex ed that I, like, had in high school, this is, like, where this question is taking me. The sex, the sex ed that I had in high school was not sex negative. It wasn't particularly queer friendly. Um, it wasn't really queer friendly. <laughs> yeah, when is it ever? Um, I don't know if I've told you this story before, but we like, we're learning about condoms. And so uh, the, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're learning about like the different types of condoms, which honestly now is like, I don't know who thinks about different types of condoms. I don't, maybe other people <laughs> do work. Um, but like there are ones that are made out of different materials and that they come, uh, some have flavors. Maybe you want a flavor, which is like, who wants a flavored <laughs> condom? But you know what? Maybe you want a flavored condom. Uh, <laughs> and so I, you know, we were learning about all the different types and what their best applications were. And then someone in the class had to like go condom shopping. Um, and, oh. you know, I, in our little like ninth grade class of 15 or whatever, uh, I was like, I'll do it. Okay, somebody has to do it. Like, this is awkward and embarrassing because we're talking about condoms, but it's like, okay, I'll do it. So I go up and the woman, and this wasn't a woman who worked at our high school, but like she was brought in to like teach specifically the sex ed stuff. It's always that like, way, isn't it? Where they like bring is. in somebody because no and one why. else can talk about sex. Because Right, and for what? Um. And she was like, okay, what type of sex are you looking to have, oral, vaginal, or anal? And I was like, let me keep it, let me keep it uh, general. Let me keep it something <laughs> that everyone's going to be, can, can find some interest in. I said right. oral. Great. And I think she, either she immediately said, or like, we did the oral one, and then she was like, no, let's say you're doing vaginal. Or she was, I said oral, and she was like, no, let's do vaginal instead. And I was like... 
Okay. <laughs> Pick a card, any card. Not that card. Not right. that card. It was very like, <laughs> why Why is this happening to me? Um, but uh, I think that if I had, I don't know, I just felt like the way that I thought about and experienced sex and like maturing and becoming sexual in high school, in college, like if I had known... I feel like I've now gotten to a point where it's like, okay, yeah, I feel very comfortable knowing just what you said that like, it's going to look very different for everybody. That's okay. Uh, there are more people who'd feel the way that you do than you think. <laughs> like, you know, if you are thinking a certain thing or wanting to do a certain thing, then like you probably aren't the only one who feels that way. And that's cool and okay. And you don't have to feel any shame about it as long as everybody's cool and consenting and having a good time. Um, and I wish that I just had known that earlier instead of having to like come to the realization of like, mm-hmm. hey, like I'm actually not weird for for having sexual thoughts or like having the sexual thoughts that I have or whatever. Like I don't have to like feel ashamed of them and I don't have to repress and I don't have to like keep it all secret because nobody else wants to hear about it because it would be gay sex and that's gross, you mm-hmm. know, like there just is more, there's more, I don't know. That's, that's what I've, that's what I think about in response to your question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that really, I feel like a, similar, not in the you know, specifics of the sex ed story, but just, I feel like lots of the, the work ends up being like extremely, at least for me, like ended up being like very slow and lonely. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like something that you sit with. Your I sat with myself and was like, I could either problematize myself from here, you know, to oblivion, or I could accept these things about myself. And right. I think, I mean, this is just coming to me now, but like, I think another place is just in queer friendships, like talking about sex with other queer people. And yeah. I, I think that like queer people get such a bad rap for, it's like, oh, they're always talking about sex. They're just always blah, 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 blah. And I, it's like, no, no, no. What we're doing is like, we're normalizing this thing that we can't talk, like we haven't had to not talk about. Right. Anywhere else. We we are doing that now. And so maybe the word, maybe it looks a little condensed. Maybe it is a a huge topic of the day, but that's because we need it to be that way. Right. And like, not that, this is always like the most positive way to justify or to, to make an image of, but like the, like straight men talk to each other about sex all the time. Straight women talk to each other about sex as well. And again, not that like every way that the, each of those conversations manifests is like the optimal way for it to occur. And that's certainly not true for queer people either. You know, like everybody's, working on it and figuring it out, whatever. But I don't know. Yeah, I I feel like, you know, even getting to, like, I had some queer friends in high school, more queer friends in college, but it wasn't until, like, the end of college that it was like, oh, wait, we can talk about sex because we all have sex. And Literally. Like, it's not weird. And it's not, like, gross because we're gay. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Absolutely, straight people talk about sex all the time, but also straight people don't talk about sex as much as maybe they could and yeah. 
should. I mean, like, where I'm going with this is back to where we started, which is that, like, the kink community, the BDSM community, like, have taught us and have so much to teach us about consent. Yeah. And it's, like, like so so much of what we know, like, comes from these communities. Right. And it's because we talk about it. Right. It's because queer people talk about it. And I frankly think that more people should talk about sex so that they can (laughs) know what they're up to and not rely on, like, straight people, I feel like, you know, I'm not a straight person, so I don't really know. But I... (laughs) The unwritten rules of it all? Right. Dangerous. Deeply. Exhausting and dangerous. (laughs) Exhausting and dangerous. And like really undergird non-consensual sex. Like why does that happen? It's because people aren't talking. Right. Because there are these things that you're supposed to know. And it's like. Yeah, because (laughs) people are too afraid to talk or to ask. And so just do. Like that, that is. All the research shows that that is where non-consensual sex happens the most often is like people just assuming and like not wanting to stop and not wanting to ask a question because, oh God, how do I even say that? How do I even ask? How do I even talk about this? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, totally agree. They're like, we have so much to learn. And so I am looking forward to seeing those communities at Pride. Yes. Because that's what Pride is about. Yes. <laughs> Weeping. <laughs> well, Kenyon, I'm looking forward to talking about more Pride topics this Pride month. I need it. I need more talk, uh, more Pride. And I need Lady Gaga to release the next song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, please, yesterday. Like, where is it? And also, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And also, thank you, Lady Gaga. And thank you, Big Frida. And thank you to, uh, fingers crossed, Rina Sawayama. uh, Fingers crossed, Kate Renata. (laughs) And to all the people out there listening, have a happy Pride. Happy Pride, everybody. Thanks for listening, divas. We Love That is brought to you by Kenyon and Jerome. Our music is by Sophia Campomore, and our art is by Griffin Keller. And please drop us a line at welovethatpodcast at gmail.com. I mean, look, I can't be shady on on recording. Oh, I will be including this. (laughs) (laughs) How dare, how literally dare you.